Hello, and we're so excited about it. <sighs> we're happy. My God, I just want to go back to bed. I know. Mm. You're not having a happy day. It's hey. <laughs> <laughs> a great way to start an episode. It's okay. It's real. It's gritty. Mm. It's the gritty truth. <laughs> New gritty reboot of Goose Chase podcast. <laughs> it's like very noir. Mm. That podcast dog walked in. He had legs for days and a snoot that wouldn't quit. <laughs> <laughs> you were always being uh, very uh, cuddly today. Yes. Just hovering around Mike. Yeah. <sighs> He's currently, he likes it whenever I have a blanket on my lap and the blanket overflows onto the floor. He thinks that that is for him. So he is sitting mm-hmm. up against my leg on that little piece of blanket. Yeah. Under the table because he is small enough to sit up under the table on like Boba. I really wish he would sit on a chair. If he would sit on a chair and sit in front of a microphone, that would be like the <laughs> best podcast ever. It'd be great. Depending on the chair, we might be able to get him to do it. <laughs> That'd be really, really weird. Of It'd be us really do, funny though. for us to do that. Well, it's another thing no one can see, so it doesn't really matter. Oh my but. god, we should do a podcast that's just us and Leroy, and it's just him occasionally snorting into the microphone. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could get that for the podcast. It's just his little. Oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah, his little noises. Yeah, he is a piglet. Mm-hmm. This has been Puppy Talk mm-hmm. with Dave and Christy. Yep. The past couple weeks have been a blur of nothingness. <laughs> nothing nothing <laughs> happened. It's pandemic times for real. <laughs> nothing happened in like the last two weeks of yeah. note. The biggest thing is like we watched some stuff on TV. We watched some movies. Right. <sighs> Which is. <laughs> this is not super exciting, <laughs> but they were good. Yep. They were. But we're not going to tell you what they were though. Fuck! Come on! <laughs> figure out a way to get in the game here. Um, we watched Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Which was about a promising young woman who does great things, and um, there's nothing creepy happening at all. Yeah. That, uh... <laughs> you, <laughs> so I saw an article the other day. You might have seen the same the one. The other day. The other day. Uh, about the woman who wrote that movie. Mm-hmm. And pitching it to studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's start a little bit more at the beginning. Was it like an interview? Yeah, it was her. I think I did read that one. Yeah, so uh, basically this movie is about a woman who, I don't want to spoil anything, mm-hmm. so I'll just say she's going around uh, basically making uh, basic, how's the right way to she, put it? She's making a point about consent. Right, so she will <laughs> go on dates and uh, seem really drunk or like, you know, uh, incapacitated, and then she'll go back she, with some guy to his the place. She switcheroo. Yeah, so she's she's not really drunk, and she's making all these men confront, you know, their the things their that they're doing that is wrong, um, and exploiting a vulnerable woman and all that stuff. So it's an interesting concept. Um, and I read, uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but uh, she was talking about the process of pitching this movie around Hollywood. Yeah. And which like, would be tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think she started pitching it in like 2017, maybe, uh-huh. which I think is kind of pre Me Too, possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened in the last three years? 
Nothing. Nothing. Nothing good. Yeah. So she she told a story about one executive that she pitched it to and like explaining the the opening scene of the movie, which kind of establishes all of this and mm-hmm. like what her what she's doing, you know. And she said he like blanked out in the middle of the pitch and just like started staring into space <laughs> and going like, yeah, uh huh. And she was like, are you all right? <laughs> And he said, "Yeah, I've just been I was I've just been thinking about some dates that I've been on." Oh god. Which is like dude, what is that what is that about? Yeah, you like know? the you haven't even seen the movie and you're we're making you confront some inner demons shit. The mere idea made him like totally disengage. Yeah. That's pretty creepy. <clears throat> but ultimately, the production company that ended up taking them on was completely on board. I believe it's a Margot Robbie's production company. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Or she's involved with the production company. I don't know. Um, but they, I would say they didn't pull any punches. Like it, it is a very confrontational movie in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. don't watch it thinking it's going to be easy and comfortable. <laughs> but I thought it was well done, and there were parts of it that like I didn't like. In the moment, because they did a really good job building up characters. Yeah. And so, you know, when certain things happen, I was just like, well, God fucking damn it. (laughs) I didn't want that to happen. But it was, like, done really well. Um, And, yeah, I don't want to talk much more about it because I don't want to give anything away. But I thought it was a good movie. It don't it is about sensitive content. Don't watch it thinking that it's going to be an easel, easy, simple watch and like a fluff thing that you watch with your mom. I kind of think right from the trailer, you know, everything you need to know about. <clears> the right. Movie. If you watch a trailer, you know what it's enough of what it's about to judge if you can handle watching that or not. But yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I did, too. There, and then there's certain things about the plot that frustrated me, but yeah, I, I liked it overall. And then on the complete polar opposite of. <laughs> The visual media spectrum (laughs) is what we watched last night with my mom and uh, stepdad and uh, step-grandma and brother is uh, Bourbon Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, uh, a Kristen (laughs) Wiig uh, written movie, which Mm -hmm. is a a good start to begin with. Yes. Um, And And uh, I believe that's Will Ferrell's production company. Yeah. Or William Ferrell, as I called him. That was really weird because the credits are rolling by and it says Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. And he went, William Ferrell. And I said, what? And he said, well, read it as William Ferrell. Yeah, you were like, well, it said William. That's weird. And I'm like, it did not. (laughs) ADHD. William Ferrell? William Ferrell. Uh, I was like, no. No one calls him that. Anyway, he's not in the movie, by the way. It's just he was involved in that production. But um, it's ridiculous. Really weird movie. It's very absurd. Bizarre, bizarre, absurdist. I was combining those words. Bizarre, absurdist comedy for sure. But I thought it was great. Yeah, it was like ridiculous and nonsensical and just lunacy. (laughs) The thing is, you like right off the bat, we were trying to figure out if we were watching the right. Right, we're like, wait. What is happening? Because it has this bizarre, like, it's, I guess it's not a subplot. It's the plot. Yeah. But it's this 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 sort of villain type character who plans to 
uh, unleash a plot on the town of Vista Del Mar. Yeah, it's it starts with the part of the movie that you have no idea is part of the movie, judging by the trailer. Exactly. <laughs> so when it starts, you're like, wait, am I watching Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? Yeah, it starts so, off looking like Spy Kids. Yeah, already it was a much different movie than I thought it was going to be. Um, because I thought I was just going to watch a kind of... Sorry, he's like chewing the rug. Oh, I thought I was going to watch a silly movie about like two middle-aged women who just go on a trip, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a, a bachelor party style trip, you know, like. Yeah, like a like a hangover type movie. <clears throat> yeah. And then it's not what I got. Mm-hmm. It's partly what I got, but not what I got. Yeah. Um, Parts of it definitely feel like the kind of characters Kristen Wiig honed, has honed on SNL over the years. Yeah. She's really good at that, like, Midwestern, you know, mid-40s kooky character. Yeah, right. And her counterpart in the movie does a great job, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was great. We laughed a lot. We did. Uh, it's In some ways, it feels like a comedy nerds movie. Yeah, and I will say it also, like... It knows what it's doing and it does it well. Yeah. It points out some tropes along the way. Mm-hmm. It it plays it straight in the way that it fully buys into how kooky it is. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't take itself too seriously at the same time. Yeah. Like it it was done really well. Where I think they achieved what they were trying to do and I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. I, th- I think some of my favorite stuff in the movie is stuff where like as an as an <laughs> audience goer, you're like trained <laughs> to expect certain things out of a movie. Yeah. So when you see I don't know, like when you see a scene where there's like a sort of romantic date on a beach or whatever, you just kind of think that that's that. You yeah. Know? And then they'll they'll take what is a, like an established kind of comedy trope and they'll like get even weirder with it. And that's what yeah. I mean by a comedy nerds movie is it it subverts kind of the stuff that you expect out of a, a movie and it makes it even sillier and weirder. They do something that we like a lot, which is hold on to a joke for longer yeah. than you should. Yeah. Right. Which makes it funnier because it's painful. <laughs> it's like a wait, yeah. wait. I don't know. But it, no, it's really good. I would say it's uh, a really good movie. And uh, and superbly Midwestern. <laughs> it really takes the Midwest to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Plus hot dog soup. Hot dog soup. Oh, my God. Yeah. So gross. One of the uh, grosser, weirder things uh, I have uh, <laughs> seen in a, in a movie is their depiction of hot dog soup. Uh, I will say Talking Club is so funny. Yeah. Um, there's a couple scenes in which they they are attending. It's not a book club. It's a talking club. Yeah. Um, in the Midwest town they're from. And in uh, Nebraska. Is that really Midwest? Um, Nebraska, like yeah. Outskirts of the Yeah, it's like, but, uh, yeah, sure, yes. But the sentiment is correct. The, mm. you know, identity is correct. But uh, this group of women that they, they hang out with at their talking club, which are all, um, actresses you would recognize from other shows, like Phyllis from The Office, mm. um, the woman who plays Gypsy on the show Gilmore Girls, and she's been in other things oh. since then, um, forget the actresses actress's name who's also from snl Mm. um all really funny and just like ridiculous phyllis just wants to talk about her horse (laughs) and at some point she like whinnies 
yeah. in response to something. No, she she goes to cheers everyone and she makes a horse noise. Yeah. She says, I'm used to cheersing with That's my horse. That's how I cheers with my horse. <laughs> That's like a great weird detail. Uh, I don't know. I, I give the writing of the movie the biggest credit. <clears throat> it's great. I actually do want to watch it again. Yeah. Um, so that's TV talk. That's the that's, stuff we watched on the television. Seriously, sometimes that's all you're going to get from us. <sighs> I know. It's, you know, the fact that we watched two movies in two weeks is impressive. That's <laughs> productive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I finished my puzzle I've been working on. Oh, yeah. Now we have to figure out how to resin it and uh, preserve it and yes. all that. But Yeah, I still need to look into a couple ideas on that. But uh, it's a really cool puzzle. Uh, so there's this artist I've loved for years. His name is Omar Ryan. Mm-hmm. Last name is R-A-Y-Y-A-N. Mm-hmm. And he sells stuff on Etsy, prints and cards and stuff like that. He's very much like a fantastical kind of artist mm-hmm. and also very punny. Um, he has one print that's called <laughs> would be pronounced the pugilist, but it's clearly the pugilist because oh, it's nice. a pug with boxing gloves on. Pretty good. Um, he has a really unique style. Um, very ephemeral, lots of different colors mixed in, in a very specific way. It's, it's great. Uh, the most famous one, I always see it around Christmas time, is this painting of this little girl holding what is essentially her dog, but it's like a demon dog. Mm-hmm. And you always see it go around as a meme around Christmas time that says, um, what happens when you accidentally write to Satan instead of Santa? Right. And uh, there's another one that's pretty popular, which is like this oh, woman no. with... Oh, no. Dog chaos. Did he go get the other dog? I don't know. Um, This woman with, like, tentacles for hair, and she's holding her pet, which is like a squid. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the name of the painting is Contessa with Squid. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sounds right. And there is a place online called Art Order that took that print and turned it into a puzzle Mm -hmm. and you could buy into it kind of like a kickstarter kind of thing and so i did that because i really wanted a print by him but i also really felt like doing a puzzle and i was like perfect best of both worlds right um and i eventually got my puzzle and then had to get them to send me a new one because it was missing pieces and Mm -hmm. then i got the second version and i just finished putting it together and it looks great Mm. it's really good quality and uh, it was really fun to put together, and it's a great print yeah. in general. So I'm it, gonna it'll make a good fixture on one of our walls somewhere. Yes. Oh. Not sure where yet, but. I just realized the dog brought a squeak toy into the podcast studio. That's going to go well. That's a great contribution. Thank you, Leroy. <laughs> Which one is it? I don't know. I just <laughs> hear it. Oh, I couldn't. I didn't even hear it. Uh, um. Anyway. Why don't we uh, why don't we keep this train moving <laughs> since we have like nothing else to talk about and play a game? You know what? That sounds great. I would love to play a game. All right. Well, why don't we play a game we've never played before? Mahjong? No. Chinese checkers? No. Banjo Kazooie? 
Yes, actually. This should become a Banjo Kazooie podcast. You hear it? <laughs> I heard it. Just, he brought a squeak toy down at the worst possible it's time. It's so unprofessional. He should really know better. I'm probably going to have to do something about that in a minute. But in the meanwhile, uh, why don't we play Trues and Fnews? <clears throat> yeah. You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to mean? It's time for truths and fools. Time to play truths and fools. Time to play truths Everyone's playing. Everyoneone's playing. Everyone's playing. Famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for truths and a Merv Griffin production. All right. Truth and news. Before we get started, mm-hmm. I really need you to tell me how to play. Why, of course, I would be glad to tell you how to play. Truth and news is a game, a news game, a quiz game, an internet news quiz game, in which I present to you two stories. And uh, three of them, maybe instead, and uh, two of them are false <laughs> and one of them is true. And you have to determine which of these stories is the true story, the truths and the false stories of news. This time you're just going to give me two false ones. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to find, I'm going to make... The true one. Yeah. A game where I give you two false stories and you have to determine which is true. <laughs> uh, okay. Are you ready? <coughs> yes. Okay. Story number one. A Pittsburgh area man was charged with multiple offenses around falsely reporting his car as stolen after driving it to a remote location and setting it on fire. A search warrant later revealed in his Google history that he had searched how to set your car on fire and make it look like an accident. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Number two, two Vancouver police officers are on administrative leave after climbing the giant fiberglass donut sign of Vera's Donuts on Victoria Avenue and taking selfies riding the donut while on duty. Oh, my God. Okay. Number three, spy satellites have confirmed a longstanding rumor in North Korea, the presence of a full-size recreation of the ship bow set from Titanic commissioned by huge film and TV buff Kim Jong-il while he was still alive. Okay. Recap, police. All right. Story number one. A Pittsburgh area man was charged with multiple offenses around falsely reporting his car as stolen after driving it to a remote location and setting it on fire. A search warrant later revealed in his Google history that he had searched how to set your car on fire and make it look like an accident. Number two. Two Vancouver police officers are on administrative leave after climbing the giant fiberglass donut sign of Vera's Donuts on Victoria Drive and taking selfies riding the donut while on duty. Number three, spy satellites have confirmed a long-standing rumor in North Korea, the presence of a full-size recreation of the ship bow set from Titanic, commissioned by huge film and TV buff Kim Jong-il while he was still alive. Can you say that last one again? Yeah, sure. Sorry. (laughs) Spy satellites have confirmed a long-standing rumor in North Korea, the presence of a full-size recreation of the ship bow set from Titanic, commissioned by huge film and TV buff Kim Jong-il while he was still alive. Yeah, Speak. right. Speak. <laughs> okay, so this is my recap. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh man doesn't know how to use incognito mode. <laughs> nice. Ride that donut, funky Mountie. <laughs> And uh, North Korea having the Titanic is not ironic. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with the Vancouver police riding the donut. The fiberglass, the giant fiberglass donut. Yeah. Feels real. It does. It's not true. Not real? No. That's incredibly detailed. (laughs) Good job. 
Uh, and good job. Fake donut shop in a fake location. So. It's, no, it's good. I was like, that seems <laughs> like perfect description of a place. I bet that's happened. <clears throat> I'm sure it has. I, I'm sure someone has, maybe not a cop, maybe not in Vancouver, but someone's climbed What's and rode a giant donut. the movie where the donut gets shot? Where the, what? Where the donut gets shot? Yeah. There is a movie in which people have, are like trying to recreate what, maybe it's on a movie, you know what? Thinking of an episode of Psych. Oh. That happens on an episode of Psych. What, they shoot a giant fiberglass donut? Yeah. It's really? like a donut man. Yeah. It's a donut man? Yeah. It's, wait. It's like a, a fiberglass donut, but he's got like arms, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure that that has happened somewhere. Uh, maybe not exactly like that. <clears throat> But that is not true. All right. Do you want to know what the true one was? Um. Yes. Just tell me. True story. Uh, how to set your car on fire and make it look like an accident. Yeah. It's some real dumbest criminal shit. The thing is, it happens all the time. Yeah. I'm in, sure. In that uh, Flor Delish, Flor Delish story yeah. I told you about. Uh, Flor Delish. <laughs> um. The they like Googled ways to poison people and shit. Like, yeah, I think people just never think that their search history is going to become a matter of public record. And it always does. Yeah, usually when the police get a search warrant and you've you've accidentally you know made yourself a prime suspect. Also, pro tip: like, don't search things on like a company computer. Yep, never do that. Never do that. Because it doesn't matter if you're in <laughs> incognito mode. Yeah, right. <laughs> they know. They have all of your traffic. Usually, yes. often, not always. They know. <laughs> uh, I almost put in here, but I thought you'd probably have seen it. Um, the true story recently of, you know, the solar winds hack that happened it was a big, giant data breach of uh, a bunch of um, uh, private information. I'm trying to remember. I think that they do uh, some kind of like uh, contracting for uh, defense. I can't remember. I should know the answer to this question. But anyway, SolarWinds was recently hacked. And uh, part of the way that that happened was someone's password was SolarWinds123. <laughs> oh, my God. And they should know, like, a lot better than right. that. Right. Yeah. And uh, right now, I think the CEO is saying some intern set the password as SolarWinds123. Probably true. But shouldn't you have mechanisms to make sure that that can't happen? Right. And change it? Yeah. Oh, God, his chewing is so... What is he chewing? Leroy? That better be a toy. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> it's just so loud and aggressive. Yeah. Um. But yeah. You just described our talk. <laughs> Solar Winds 123. That was a real thing. Oh, jeez. Just super embarrassing. Uh, your password should not be able to contain the phrase Solar Winds. Yeah. And definitely not the numbers 123 in sequential order. Yes. I mean, especially if what you do is like security. Yeah, something security related. Absolutely yeah, not embarrassing. A good call. Not a great call. No, that should not have been. <laughs> not surprised to by it, but it's not a great call. That was a weird sound out of that toy. <laughs> he made it sound like it's dying. That's why he likes. That's why dogs like squeaky toys. They right. sound like dying animals. <laughs> God, that's hellish. It's it's the fucked up reason the dogs like squeaky toys. I thought of something else interesting worth mentioning on the show real quick. All right. Uh, this is this kind of uh, it was kind of a freaky story while I was looking for uh, news stuff. So some researchers recently were working on um, this this so this thing that happens where like when caterpillars eat a tomato. Okay. 
So or whenever a tomato is basically under attack, but I think specifically when it's like <clears throat> being eaten by caterpillars. Yeah. So they release like chemical compounds that and this is amazing to me. They can release a compound that will draw wasps. Oh. And so wasps will, can come in and attack caterpillars that are eating them, which is like a bizarre, really specific evolved like yeah. skill set. Right. So they looked into it. And it turns out that the, the tomatoes have a security team of wasps. So it's it's like the same thing. <laughs> Apparently, when you mow your lawn, chemical compounds get released to like for the other grass blades nearby to like toughen up or like <clears throat> like they, yeah. they, like plants have all these ways of signaling each other things. Mm-hmm. Right. So it turns out the caterpillar has an enzyme that can suppress the tomatoes shouts for help. <laughs> That's which is so creepy, really creepy. Uh, someone described it as like out of a horror movie. Nature is is fucked up. Way crazier than most. Which of us is know. why we had a whole episode on like plants. Yeah, right. <laughs> which I wish I would have known about the tomato one <laughs> at that time. That's great. So they they tested out to make sure. Basically, they used CRISPR sequencing mm-hmm. to create caterpillars that did not have the the specific enzyme they used to silence the tomato. <laughs> And they found without that enzyme, the tomato can't draw wasps. Wait, what? The tomato can't draw wasps without that. Am I saying that backwards? Yes. The tomato can draw wasps if the caterpillar doesn't have the enzyme. Exactly. So they managed to, like, remove that enzyme from the caterpillar. (laughs) And then, lo and behold, the tomato does better at defending itself. Which is freaking metal. Science. Yeah. This is what we're using CRISPR for. Yes, this is exactly what we should be using CRISPR for. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting study. Um, And uh, it got a little bit of attention because of how horrifying the concept is that the tomato shouts for help to summon a wasp to to eat the caterpillar. That's great. Gnarly. It is gnarly. Anyway. Anyway. Why don't we just move right along? Take a little break. You take a break, get that squeak toy out of here, because that's not going to work. Yeah. And we'll come back with uh, the topic, which I don't know what it is. Obviously, you do. So. Oh, shit. I was supposed to know the topic. (laughs) Anyway, that's been the episode. We're done. (laughs) Um, No, I know what that topic is. We'll be back in a bit with uh, the rest of the episode. All right. Stick around. Perfect. Squeak toy's gone, and so are both the dogs. They're upstairs. Just futzing around in the living room. Mm-hmm. At least, they're not at, at least they're not at war with each other. We would hear that for sure if they were mm-hmm. jumping all over each other. Yes. <sighs> Let's be honest. It would be Leroy jumping all over Bo, and Bo spinning in circles trying to fend him off. Right. That's how it works. Can we talk briefly about how nice it is that today feels mm-hmm. like spring? It is nice that today feels like spring. It's in the mid-40s, and it was raining. I should sit on the back porch for a while. Just get some fresh air. 
just like I love the the smell of rain, obviously, and you don't get it all winter. My favorite thing about Ohio, like after a winter, is, is like the relativity of temperatures. So like once it hits like 35 again, everyone's like, oh, you don't need a jacket. Right. <laughs> You're like walking to your car. They're like, you don't need that coat. And yeah. I'm like, it's still cold compared to a lot of places. Like if you told someone from Texas that like 35 wasn't jacket weather, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? I know. It's but, we just get used to like bitter cold. Yeah. And then like the minute it's slightly nicer than average, it's like, oh, man. Right. I'm going to go naked and run around. <laughs> it's so it's nice just out. so funny. Yeah. Uh, the shift is so funny. Yeah, it's true. We're we're coming up on spring. It's nearly yes. actual spring, which will be really nice. Light at the end of the horrible winter tunnel. Yeah. Oh, God. I fucking hate winter. Yeah. I really do. Just, I think it fucks with you more than it fucks with me. Yeah. It just, like, makes me feel very just surrounded by... The, the constant darkness is like... Yeah, it's not good. Not fun. Yeah. Anyway, hello, podcast dog. He's here to ask you what uh, the topic is today. Oh, well, I would be much obliged to tell you, Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> when you want to wind down after a long day, mm-hmm. one of the most harmless and wholesome ways to do it is with a nice hot mug of sleepy time tea. It's- you know... The one by Celestial Seasonings with the cute sleepy bear and a nightcap on the yeah. box. Yeah. And when I think sleepy time tea, I think cults. Oh, what? No, no, no. Wait, here, here we are. <laughs> when I think sleepy time tea, I think aliens. What? Are- one, one more try. <laughs> when I think sleepy time tea, I think eugenics. Okay, what in the hell well, are fuck, you talking about? Am I about, about to ruin sleepy time tea? <laughs> are you? Is that what this is? Maybe. What? So Celestial Seasonings, okay, the maker of Sleepy Time Tea, uh, was founded in 1690. Nope, not 1696. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. In the dawn uh, of 1969 okay. is what that is supposed to be. <laughs> 1696 is more interesting. <laughs> By a group of friends flower children Mm -hmm. who hiked up the Rockies in search of herbs. Some of these friends were Moe Siegel, John Hay, Peggy Clute, and Lucinda Zasing. Mm. They wanted to get into the health food industry and tea. Um, And it was kind of a niche market because at the time, all the tea in Great Britain and the Americas was made from a strain called Camellia sinensis, which was caffeinated. Mm -hmm. Herbal tea was new and novel. So Moe Siegel had started making these, uh, like an Asian herbal tea blend that he was very successfully selling in a local shop. Mm-hmm. And so their first hikes, they harvested enough herbs to make 500 pounds of his uh, Moe's 36 herb tea. Okay. That was taking off in popularity. And shortly thereafter, they started making tea from chamomile, spearmint, and other herbs, which would become the sleepy time blend. Mm-hmm. The name Celestial Seasonings, what they decided to name their company, was chosen based off of co-founder Lucinda Zesing's flower name. Or was it chosen because aliens? (laughs) Mo Siegel and John Hay had both become captivated with a New Age Bible called the Urantia Book. Have you heard of this? I have not heard of this. I'm surprised we hadn't, but I hadn't either. They used the morals and philosophies of the book to direct their their business and their employees and inform their company's morals, 
using quotes from it to back up their points during meetings and even on boxes and uh, like tea bag labels of their tea. John Hay left the company in 1985, pushed out by Siegel's desire to become a, a big company like Coca-Cola. And Siegel retired in 2002. He is still currently the president of the Urantia Foundation. Um, so it's possible that the influence of Urantia is no longer evident at Celestial Seasonings. But we should still discuss what Urantia is and what they believe. Because it's a bit concerning. I can't believe I've never heard of this. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. We hear about things basically every week we've never heard of, so I shouldn't be surprised at this point. Right. But this kind of seems like... one of those podcasts. <laughs> this kind of seems like a... I mean, okay, so like everyone's heard of Celestial Seasonings. They keep this well under wraps. <laughs> they, they don't they like don't people talking about it. this? Yeah. Well, I, I imagine so, now they're like a... They're, I imagine now they're probably much more of a corporate entity without, yeah. you know, like, uh, I mean, they're, they're basically as big as Coca-Cola for real. I mean, they're a huge company. Yeah. Um, and when this, the main article that I used, uh, let me, it's published on inverse.com right now. Mm -hmm. It was originally published on Rip Van Winkle on Rip. Van Winkles is what it was called. <laughs> it's a publication devoted to sleep. Oh, um, of course it is. But the name of the article is Cults, Conspiracies, and the Twisted History of Sleepy Time Tea. Okay. And How did when you find this? I forget. Okay. <laughs> Either someone told me about it or I stumbled upon it and was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and I've been wanting to do it for a couple weeks now, so here we are. But when the author started to do this for the publication Van Winkles, which is obviously a publication about sleep. She was looking to write a little puff piece about sleepy time tea. Uh-huh. And so she like went to Colorado where the home base of Celestial Seasonings is and was trying to talk to them a little bit. And when she asked if she could take a tour to like see how they make the tea, they kind of shut her down like and wouldn't work with her. That's odd. And so she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to do research on my own. And when she started to do research on her own, she discovered all of this. So the article became much different than it would have been if they just would have given her a tour. Yeah, you know what? If, <clears throat> if they'd have let her just kind of walk around and, oh, look at the big bags of tea. <laughs> yeah. As if there's so, just a giant So whether tea bag. or not they were, maybe that's just their policy and they don't do tours and they weren't trying to, like, hide anything. Who knows? But what came from it was... This article that was much different than her original intention. Yeah, no joke. Um, so let's talk generally at first about the Urantia book, also called the Urantia Papers or the Fifth Epochal Revelation. Okay. It's over 2,000 pages long. It was published in 1955. It's been translated into over 20 languages. It's based on Seventh-day Adventist texts, but with more aliens. Okay. Um, they believe that, uh, I'll get to that. Uh, many planets, they believe many planets in, there are many planets in many universes and the same thing occurs on all of them. It's like an Adam and Eve story, okay. but on Urantia, which is what they call earth, the Adamic technique failed. So we, as a people have to behave in such a way to correct this failure. And I will get into more details about what they actually mean about that. Sure. Um, the first three parts detail the complex universe of invisible seraphim and spirits and semi-spirit beings. The last part details all 36 years of Jesus's life. 
Hmm. Um, here's a quote from the article. The book also purports that there have been many, many sons of God, like Jesus, on many different planets because there are a billion worlds. When evolution is complete, each of these worlds will have 100,000 local universes with 10 million inhabited planets. Our Earth is called Urantia, and it's number 606 in a planetary group named Satania, <laughs> the headquarters of which is called Gerasim. When we die, we're, we're reincarnated from planet to planet, then finally to paradise where the deity lives. There is a little piece of the deity in each of us called a thought adjuster. That's simple, right? <laughs> a thought adjuster? <clears throat> a thought adjuster. It's not a very creative name, is it? It's kind of like um, in Scientology, the Thetan. Yeah, it kind of gave me a... Except this is more of like a positive take. Like it is God. God is an alien kind of, but he is inside of you. But that's a good thing. Okay. Um, also a quote. Uh, the fellowship will tell you that it's not a cult. But in the Urantia book, the revelator named the brilliant evening star of Nebadon calls for Urantians earthlings to replace christianity with a new cult that will be the true religion of the future they call it a new cult yes <laughs> they, they use the word cult yes that's interesting most cults don't really like to call themselves cults because of the yes. connotation <clears throat> well it was written in the 50s yeah <laughs> I, I feel like it couldn't have been a good word then either so who was the author yes who was well it was written as if presented by numerous celestial beings Mm -hmm. And this is one of my favorite parts, which is why you can download the text for free. Oh. Because in 1995, the Urantia Foundation lost their copyright case in Arizona because they assert that its authorship is superhuman, and the court decided that means it's not protected by copyright claims. Oh, wow. And as a result, is in the public domain. And since then, the national copyright has since expired as well. So you can download a PDF or even audio versions of the Urantia book from the UrantiaFoundation.org, which that, I did. That's one thing the Scientologists got right. Make sure <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard's name is on right. the thing. You could own it forever. So as the story goes, in 1911, I, I need to I need to tell you about a couple of people. Okay. Real quick. So have you ever heard of William Sadler? Uh. Yes. Why do I know that name? I'm not sure. That name sounds really familiar. But he is related to other people that we have talked about. I feel like I recognize his name from a little bit of research that I had done for something else. <laughs> Very possible. Um, that fell through. Oh, okay. Well, it, that's still possible, but he is related to something else we did do an episode about. Mm -hmm. um, he was a surgeon, a physician, a psychiatrist, uh -huh. and he worked for Dr. John Kellogg. Okay. Who, as you'll remember, is uh, was a eugenicist and racist as fuck. <laughs> uh, but he worked for him at Battle Creek Sanitarium. Mm. Uh, Dr. Sadler was also a sometimes debunker of paranormal claims. Okay. Um, admitting that he was he was duped by Ellen White, the Seventh Day Adventist, the founder, um, and also involved is his wife Lena Sadler who was also a physician and surgeon and obstetrician, and John Kellogg's niece. Okay. 
So just a little bit of background. Because in 1911, as the story goes, a neighbor approached the Sadlers with concern for her husband, who she would often find in a deep sleep, breathing abnormally. My first thought is sleep apnea. Me too. (laughs) Uh, um, And the Sadlers observed these episodes, and over time the individual verbally communicated messages from student visitor spiritual beings... And my note is like celestial exchange students. Um, and these student visitor spiritual beings were communicating with his um, thought. What adjuster. do we call it? Thought adjuster inside of him. Wait, so he's breathing funny and they think that this is messages well, from, from. Well, he's it, not only is he like in a deep sleep and breathing funnily, but he will talk. Oh, OK. Which like. He's talking in his sleep. Right. Which you also do when yeah. you aren't properly using your CPAP machine. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's probably <laughs> you pretty experience common. sleep disturbances. Yeah. Um, but they witness this and they they observe these and and in these episodes he claims that these messages are from a student visitor spiritual being that's communicating through him. Uh, so they start recording these, you know. These things they're experiencing. Yeah. In the 1920s, this, so for about 10 years, they're doing this. In the 1920s, they, the Sadlers develop a forum, the forum, it would go on to be called, which was a group of their friends who put together a list of 4,000 questions for this being. And a few weeks later, lo and behold, the sleeping man wrote a manuscript that answered all of their questions. <laughs> um, In his sleep? <clears throat> presumably. Okay. And the individual was never identified. And this is like the, there's a bunch of different origin stories. This is kind of like a conglomeration of the most common ones. And maybe like the most agreed upon. Yeah. Okay. Um, the individual was never identified though. He was described as a hard boiled businessman, member of the board of trade and stock exchange. Um, in a book called Urantia, the Great Cult Mystery, which was written by Martin Gardner in 2008, who also wrote for publications like Scientific American, mm-hmm. makes the case that that individual was actually Wilfred Custer Kellogg, William Sadler's brother-in-law. Okay. So, one thing that makes it likely that the Urantia book was actually written by Sadler... Yeah. Is the similarity of ideas in his own published works and those expressed in Urantia. Okay, so conveniently, this this book full of ideas channeled to us via aliens just <laughs> so happens to be fixated on the same topics as Sadler himself. Yes, which just happens to be eugenics. Oh, no. <laughs> William Sadler wrote three eugenicist books. Do you want to know the titles? Oh, God. I bet they're horrible. They're very horrible. Okay. Let's just hear it. The first one, Long Heads or Round Heads or What's the Matter with Germany? (laughs) (laughs) Written in 1918. That's totally fine, right? Nothing horrible there. so dumb the next one <laughs> what's the matter with germany racial decadence an examination of the cause of racial degeneration in the united states Ooh. 1922 i'm sure that means exactly what i think it means yep and lastly the truth about heredity 
written in 1927. Okay. Yikes. Um, his wife, Lena Sadler, is also not without some very strong beliefs on eugenics. Mm-hmm. Uh, she delivered a paper called Is the Abnormal to Become Normal? to the Illinois Federation of Women's Club in 1932. And it was also published in a collection called A Decade of Progress in Eugenics. Okay. It calls, get, buckle up. Oh boy. It gets bad. I'm sure. <clears throat> it I'm calls sh- for mandatory sterilization laws. Mm-hmm. And if if we don't practice good eugenics, oxymoron much, <laughs> this is a quote, ultimately this monster will grow to such hideous proportions that it will strike us down. And of course this monster is yes, the impure ex- genes exactly of other kinds of people. Also, another thing she says, if we practice eugenics correctly, she says, we'll eliminate at least, this is in quotes, at least 90% of crime, insanity, feeble-mindedness, moronism, and abnormal sexuality, not to mention many other forms of defectiveness and degeneracy. Thus, within a century, our asylums, prisons, and state hospitals would be largely emptied of their present victims of human woe and misery. Yuck. These horribly racist ideas are very obvious within the Urantia book. I'm sure. <clears throat> I'm sure. Like, th- this, like, th- this way of thinking and philosophy, if you yeah. can call it that, bled into everything these people touched. Yes. So, and and the thing is, it's not surprising because Kellogg was very <laughs> horribly racist. Yeah. Um, And this is his niece. Uh-huh. And maybe his... Uh, nephew was involved. The apple doesn't fall far from the racist tree. Yeah, nephew-in-law. Right. And and William Sadler learned from Kellogg because he worked for him. Mm -hmm. So, not surprising. Um, So they basically attempted to found a religion around these ideas. Yeah. As opposed to, which is odd to me, because, you know, presumably these people see themselves as People of science first. Mm-hmm. So the whole rationalization for mm-hmm. the ugliness of eugenics is a sort of like cold. Um, uh, <coughs> I, I don't know. You can think of it as like here are the cold data driven reasons why some people are not as good as other people. Right. right? So why tie religion <clears throat> up in it? Because the more backup, the better. You're not going to get everyone with. Your science, what yeah. you think is your science. It's a multi-pronged approach. Right. Okay. And I honestly, a part of me thinks that William Sadler was annoyed that he was duped by Ellen White and maybe mm. had some disagreements with her. So he's like, you know what? She did it. I can do it. Yeah. Why not just play the same game <clears throat> of, you know, getting people to believe something without a without a rational basis or a, yeah. or, a or a data basis or a whatever. So Call it whatever according you want. to the Urantia book, mm-hmm. starting around 500,000 years ago, six colored races appeared on Urantia, which is Earth. <laughs> OK. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, which is white people and indigo, which is black people. Wait, why are white people blue? I don't know. Earlier races are superior to later races. And this is a quote. Each succeeding evolutionary manifestation of a distinct group of mortals represents variation at the expense of the original endowment. So basically, the later races take away from the more superior earlier races. So they don't all arrive at the same time? Like the blue people show up first? 
<laughs> blue people. The blue people show up before the black people, but let it be known that the red people are superior to us all. <laughs> oh, is that is that <clears throat> built in? That's what they say. Okay. Um. So on every planet, throughout every like every planet in every universe, fair-skinned, blue-eyed aliens named Adam and Eve appear to what they call upstep the natives. Okay. So their progeny mate with acceptable inhabitants and eliminate, in quotes as well, inferior stocks. Okay. On Urantia, Earth, this Adamic method didn't go to plan. Adam and Eve somehow fucked it up. <laughs> so part two, the local part two of the Urantia books, the local universe section, goes on to say... You must now work out your planetary problems of race improvement by other and largely human methods of adaptation and control. It also says evil in the forms of illness and disease exist because unfit peoples haven't been eliminated. Ugh. So the way to fix this basically is eugenics. But, you may say... These books were written many years ago, and surely those who currently still believe in the Urantia books don't still subscribe in such racist ideas. Uh, do they really? You'd be wrong, though, because Mo Siegel in the 20 Most Asked Questions on the Urantia book website, although he starts by saying all persons are equal in the sight of God and that race should become irrelevant. Mm. He doesn't see color. Also goes on <laughs> to say... Illness and disease result from evil and cause suffering. The in the 20 most asked questions, um, he says, unfortunately, several factors hinder progress toward the development of a disease-free world. The laws of genetics are immutable and form the physical cornerstone of evolution. At the present time, mankind loses about as much progress as it makes by ignoring eugenics. Wow, there's still eugenicists? <clears throat> Sounds like... You know, I got to say, I, I agree with him on one thing, which is when I look around, I don't see blue people or green people. <laughs> I just see people. I'm um, with him on that. In a, According to this article that I, I used as my main source here, there is a 2010 email that was sent to, in quotes, and I can only imagine that this is how they addressed the readers of this email within the email. Mm -hmm. Um Readers with advanced information and forward-looking perspectives that are not suited for being posted on the website. Wait, say that again? This email was sent to readers with advanced information and forward-looking perspectives that are not suited for being posted on the website. Okay. A.K.A. too racist <laughs> yeah. to let no everyone else know that we believe it. This is the part that's bad PR, but still <laughs> very much part of their belief. Yeah. Um, in this email, follower Martin Greenhut wrote that the trustees had convened a panel on eugenics. He listed the panel members, uh, including Kermit Anderson, who at the time was a genetic screening program director at Kaiser Permanente and had done a lot of genetics research. Mm -hmm. um, and there was little information on the panel's activities uh, that had been found since then. Again, that was in 2010. Uh, 2010? Yep. And... Uh, when asked for comment, the Urantia Foundation and Mo Siegel did not respond, of course. Um, yeah, because what are you going to say? And I'll say this. If you still believe in a book whose foundation is completely and utterly racist, mm -hmm. whose origin story is that some people are superior to other people and we should get rid of those other people... 
I don't care how much you clean up. It's racist. I don't know, Christy. I think that's a very green person way of thinking. <laughs> well, that means I'm superior to you, so I'm right. Or the green... What if I... Am I one of the blue people? <laughs> You're a blue person. I was say, what am I in the, <laughs> the color palette? So, yeah. Like, if, if the main... If the main breakdown of the story, of the story told within the Urantia books, is that our, our origin story is like, yes, Adam and Eve, that's a thing. Except yeah. the reason for Adam and Eve is to purify the races, <sighs> essentially. Yeah, is, is it's it? racist. <laughs> it's always going to be racist. And if you still believe in that, you're still racist. Here's what I don't get above all else is... They have they've done they've done an adaptation of the Adam and Eve story where Adam and Eve are not the first people on Earth. They show up to like purify the Earth of bad genes. And they're aliens. And they're aliens. And everyone else was here, I guess, first before the blue people. I don't know. It's it's, it's a lot. It is weird. It's a lot. Um, But because your Antia book is free, I can read you some passages (laughs) if you like. Awesome. Um, this is from the very beginning. This is from the foreword. Mm-hmm. I just thought to give you a little bit of a breakdown to explain where we are in the universes. Okay. Your world, Urantia, is one of many similar inhabited planets which comprise the local universe of Nebadon. This universe, together with similar creations, makes up the super universe of Orvonton, from whose capital, Uversa, our commission hails. <laughs> Orvington is one of the seven evolutionary super-universes of time and space, which circle the never-beginning, never-ending creation of divine perfection, the central universe of Havana. At the heart of this eternal and central universe is the stationary Isle of Paradise, the geographic center of infinity and the dwelling place of the eternal God. The seven evolving super-universes in association with the central and divine universe we commonly refer to as the Grand Universe. These are the now-organized and inhabited creations. They are all a part of the Master Universe, which also embraces the uninhabited but mobilizing universes of outer space. How do you get people to believe this? I don't know. I did not, obviously did not read this 2000 page tome partly because it pretty much all reads like that and <laughs> i don't know it's I don't just like know. name after name and idea after idea that are like <clears throat> fantastical and and right. nonsensical it's yeah. you just get browbeat with details yeah you gotta buy in you have to relearn a whole language <sighs> this stuff and, always works somehow yes and that like that's a thing with cults yeah and whether or not they're a destructive cult or not, like they're not very big. I don't I don't know yeah. the inner workings of Urantia. You know, it, it doesn't seem like anyone's really talking about that part of it. So if it is a destructive cult, I don't know. But yeah. like that's exactly how you do it is completely like rewrite vocabulary and force these like absurd concepts and just yeah. People have to accept it. If I know the arc of Goose Chase, in about six months, we'll get a Dateline 2020 expose <laughs> on, on, on whatever sex pervert is currently running Urantia. Well, Mo Siegel is still the president. He might be a sex pervert. It could be. We might find out. Who knows? Anyway. 
So, yeah, it, it obviously there's uh, like 2,000 more pages of all that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but suffice to say, you don't have to read the entire thing to know pretty early on that it's that it's, it's a out whole lot. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. There's just so much. Um, <sighs> yeah. I can't believe they converged a panel on eugenics in 2010. Mm-hmm. That just seems very late in the game. Ever. Well, that's why the email was sent to people who were uh, forward thinking enough. Right. <laughs> forward thinking. Which my first thought was like, that kind of seems like backward thinking. Oh, so but <laughs> Forward thinking to the now discredited and disgusting ideas of eugenics. Right. Forward thinking Forward backwards. thinking to the ideas that Hitler wrote about in his Mein Kampf. <laughs> we must look forward to the back. <laughs> Yeah, it's not so good. No, it's not. So, uh, you know, likely that, um, you know, Celestial Seasonings doesn't actually buy into these things. Right. But the company was founded using the premises of It seems very unlikely that this is still part of their business, right? Hopefully not. I mean, at least not formally. Like... Most most of the time, companies kind of, especially when they get that big, right? Stuff like this, you can't you can't make a. <clears throat> and whole... again, most Siegel left in two thousand two. Okay. So it is now twenty twenty one. He is no longer part of the tea business. No, he is fully in the Urantia business. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Here we go. Here we go. There we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> that was it. Oh, we're not going anywhere new. That was the end of the journey. <laughs> so this book exists in its full format and you can get it for free. Yes. I kind of want to read more. The UrantiaFoundation.org. You can also listen to it. They also provide it in audio format. How convenient. Yeah. And they also offer it in 20 different languages. I did try to search their website for the word eugenics, but this weird thing happened that every time I would search for eugenics, it would convert it to Portuguese and not find my result. Uh, that might be intentional. I mean, they, they might have like a, like a poorly functioning filter, like search filter. It yeah. just tries to dump you out somewhere and <laughs> instead takes you to the Portuguese like, site. Like I would make sure it was set to English. Yeah. And then I type in eugenics. Yeah. And then I search, and everything is still in Portuguese. Uh, oh, no. There's a dog battle happening right now. It's okay. We're almost done. <laughs> so, yeah. If anyone can get the website to work in not Portuguese, that would be good. <laughs> it, it, I'd, I'd be fairly certain. Just, I mean, Or if you know the word for eugenics in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> that might help, too. <laughs> we'll take any leads we can get. Um, dog battle. Yeah, you hear it? They're, they're getting all amped up. I uh, I think they're probably tired of sitting patiently. Yes. Um, I had never heard of this before, and I can't believe it's connected to celestial seasonings of all I know. things. Like it's weird. It's it's it, it's actually very much like the Kellogg's thing. Yeah. It's it's like and very related. Why do we have a cereal company that is like low key like Just proof that all health food is evil and based on eugenics. At least a, there's a lot of weird <laughs> sketchy backstories, aren't there? Yep. Like I know that at Kellogg's right now, they're not a uh, you know, eugenics driven business or any of those other crazy things. Uh, the 
Kellogg's wouldn't tell you not to masturbate in 2021. I mean. They might discourage it. Certainly, you know, not in their... <laughs> not they just the, wouldn't not talk their building. about it. Yeah. They just wouldn't talk about it. Right, I'm just saying, like, it's odd that these, like, big, giant corporations... Don't want you to masturbate. Yeah. I'm just going to leave that there. I just spilled coffee all over I myself. saw that. Uh, well, thank you for that, Christy. That was uh, really You're very surprising. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that one coming. Also, it hurts my soul to say such racist things. I just want that to be known. Yeah, right. <laughs> like to even quote those things was like I was getting very angry when I was typing <sighs> them into my notes. I'm concerned about the long or round German heads. Yeah. What is that about? Do people have differently shaped heads in Germany? I feel like it's um, probably something racist about Jewish people. Maybe. Maybe about Jewish people. Maybe just maybe just about Germany. Like the, it, About it, like the, you know, the superior race and how they appear. Yeah. It's, a, it's so weird, like the very stupid ways that <clears throat> I think science is never going to live this down. So my my question whenever this stuff comes up is like, how do you know your race is superior right. other than the fact that you are your race? Yeah. Like, well, that's how always do what it you comes down fucking to. know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's so so annoying that whole like this that whole like racial theorization mm -hmm. of like you know who is and is not superior is always built on like shitty information anecdotal data that's like yeah. cherry picked about like you know who the good people are and who the bad people are and there are two kinds of people in this world there are people who automatically assume that they are superior and there are people who automatically assume that they are inferior yep. and i am the second yeah same <laughs> <laughs> Uh, boys, uh, maybe it's time to call this episode as they are getting, come here, Leroy, they're getting super amped up. Uh, okay. All right. Hi, podcast. We'll take you outside now. Well, uh, <laughs> this has been Goose Chase. <laughs> Love you, babies. Uh, thanks for listening. Sorry. We're for, being held hostage by our dogs. We are definitely being held hostage. Uh, okay. Go lay down, Leroy. Come on, Leroy. Um, all right. Thank you for all your research. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You're welcome. Uh, we this will has see been you. Goose Chase. We'll see you in another couple of weeks with another episode. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. And th this has been Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 